Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Turnstiles and Tribulations. I'm here as always with my Arsenal colleague, my Arsenal friend, Chris. Chris, say hello to everybody. Hello, you good people. Very good people out there listening. They're tuning in, hopefully, yet again, coming back for more, which we really appreciate as we keep saying as we go through this podcasting journey that we're on. Um, but more than that, the journey that we're on as a football fan supporting the Arsenal this season, it is a brave new world out there for us Arsenal fans. We are, like I say, on a journey. I think we're all side by side, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, and we're really, really, really flying high right now. And we've just beaten Liverpool 3-2 at the Emirates. So we're going to get to discussing it. We're going to talk about the game, talk about what's happened, how we're feeling, how we think other people like yourselves listening might be feeling. Um, and and yeah, Chris, start me off, please. This is massive. This is a this is a huge result for us as a club. It's a huge result in the course of the season. It's one of those moments I think that we'll talk about when we're sort of five or six titles in in six years' time. We'll talk <laughs> about this moment and we'll talk about moments at the Emirates that have made sort of history. This will be one of them, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of the performance today and I can't put into words, which is a bit shit for a podcast, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't, um, I can't really articulate how happy I am with the result. And it's not because it wasn't expected because I believed we would do this, but it's the, it's the proof that we've wanted. It's the proof that we've needed that we can really call ourselves a decent team um for me that that is tonight is the night when we really say that with evidence behind it would you say that your recycle bin will show how you feel about this game tomorrow morning with the amount of empties that might be in it <laughs> yeah you know, you've got to enjoy a game haven't you that's what i've got to say absolutely and the, Mate, you know, the little bit of a stress as well. You know, needed the boost to get get through it. Oh, yeah, you're not wrong, but I, I want to echo your sentiments um, to start there. We this result shuts a lot of people up. Period. Like we all know how the world works, and if we wanted tens of thousands of listeners, we too would stay, say all the stupid things that pundits say, radio presenters say to get people commenting and just saying you're an idiot for what you've just said you know like talk sport like what sky or bt any of those lot that's what they're there for to create and forcefully create discussion by chatting utter shit um like we say in our bio this is a, a balanced view but slightly biased obviously towards arsenal that performance was i think you you, you summed it up well there it was what was needed to prove to us as fans and to prove to others that we are a different side now. We are a different Arsenal. And last week, beating Tottenham is a result that we always want. It's a huge result for us to to win against them. It just, it just puts your heart and soul at peace. 
But going into this game, like you say, I was confident of a win, but you're still, there has to be some sort of nervousness because Liverpool are a team that in the last five years have become very, very good and very, very strong. And although they aren't playing that way right now in the league, they haven't played anywhere near their best. At any moment, they could wake up and spark into life, right? And I, yeah. I've mentioned it before in in podcasts gone by that Arsenal have often been the team that the slumbering, poor performing teams wake up against. We bring out the best in, in teams. Um, and they certainly were improved. I think they played better than they have done recently, but we played better and we deserved the result. And um, that's just the best part of it all, that we deserve the result and we got the result. And we'll come on to the how we got it, what happened throughout the game shortly. But that was that for me, mate, was the, the biggest thing. And uh, like you say, the stresses of it. Uh, I'm, I'm at the in-laws this weekend. So uh, they got to feel the anxiety and the ups and downs of everyday life for an Arsenal fan today. And even the poor dog, she was... Uh, getting tense and towards me towards the end like why are you so anxious and I'm like bloody football's on we've got to hold on to a lead uh, so the dogs now have a chance to calm down as well um yeah mate let's uh let's kind of chat about the starting lineups i think obviously would be the uh the first place to start yeah. um do you mind if i go first on this go for it go on so Two-Touch Tommy comes in for the injured Zinky Winky, as he's affectionately known as by uh, Ramsdale. And it sounds like a muscle injury for um, for Zinky Winky. So, you know, again, that's not great to hear. Um, hopefully, he is not going to... The curse of the left-back is not going to strike um, Zinchenko as well. Fingers crossed it's just a, a week and a half, 10 days, whatever, to um, to get him back. Uh, but KT, who has been playing at left back whenever Zinchenko's been out injured, is overlooked and is on the bench. And Tommy Asu's brought him. Apart from that, it's business as usual in all the other positions. But I thought it was a very smart move by Arteta to do that because it's not a reflection on anything that Kirantini is doing or has done. He has been playing well. It shows that we were considering the threat of a big Liverpool team because they do have tall players um, throughout their team, up front, in the middle and at the back. So to have a big and tall defender, an able defender, someone who likes to get side by side with the people that are attacking him and, and can take the ball, I was very happy with that and thought, right, here we go. Let's see how he does against Salah, who, you know, in keeping with the whole of Liverpool, hasn't been doing well, but you always worry he could spark into life, right? Um, as for Liverpool, talking about their lineup, I was, you could clearly see he had tried to win midfield with the, the players that he picked, but the one name for me that I was very glad to see sat on the bench is Firmino, because he is dangerous against Arsenal. Yeah, he's um, a bit of a bogeyman, isn't he, for us? Yeah, so I, and I can't quite fathom it to be honest. I I think Darwin Nunes is good, but Firmino's been their best player I think this season. And as soon as um, didn't when he scored that hat trick a few weeks ago, I can't remember who it was against, and Nunes was still suspended. But then Nunes came back 
for the following game and was straight into the team. And I, I couldn't believe that, to be honest, that you've got who has been your number nine for the last however many years, then gets dropped after scoring a hat-trick for a guy who's been sat on a bench for three weeks because of a record. I found that a bit strange. But uh, yeah, I was glad to see him sat on the bench. Um, what was your... How did you feel about the lineups? What were you thinking once those were released? Yeah, I think Tommy Asu made some sense, uh, like you say, with the aerial threat, but also being a right footer, or predominantly right footed, right? Because he's actually really good with his left, but predominantly right footed on that side where Salah's, you're expecting Salah to cut in. There's a great, you know, that's a great matchup for, for us rather than Tierney. So that made sense to me. Uh, and then looking at their team, I was thinking, I, I watched their game against Rangers uh, where they changed their formation and Klopp's played this 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1, whatever you want to call it. And the thought was, is he going to stick with that or is he going to go with his normal 4-3-3 and try and get some form back in from the system that he wants to play, ideally? Um, so I was thinking, were, were, they, were they going to do that? Who was going to win that midfield battle? Were we going to have enough players in there? And then their weak link is their fullbacks. So was he definitely going to go with, was Roberts going to come back in or was he go, going to go Simakas or, or Alexander-Arnold? And for me, like that's how we won the game. Their fullbacks defensively are incredibly weak. And I'll put that in the, that's a, that's a friendly term for some of the stuff that I saw today from Trent, but they're, they're lacking defensively. And if you can get at them and if you can get the ball to wide areas quickly, you can really panic them. And so, so lineups wise, I saw their, their lineup and I thought I, I fancy this as much as, you know, as much as anything, they, they are a team who are, lacking a bit of confidence and I don't think that that win midweek with a, a free kick and a penalty did a huge amount internally I can imagine to actually boost them maybe from the outside you look at it and you think okay they've got a win maybe they can get some form but Rangers didn't do much and and they're, they're a struggling team so on paper I thought we've got this if we yeah. if we play well we've got this you're right about the Rangers result you know I, I like Scottish football, but if they were in the Premier League, they would be in the bottom half. So uh, it wasn't too big of a shock that Liverpool won that game, even playing badly. And you're right about the the fullbacks getting the chance to get at them. It's it's a recurring theme and something that's talked about a lot. Um, Alexander Arnold and his struggles defensively. I personally don't think he's that terrible, but I am getting to the point. You know, I'm not in his favour for Liverpool, but maybe on the England side of things, um, I think he should just be playing as a winger. I don't think he should be given the job of defending because he is fantastic going forward. He is a threat and he's one that when he, when he got on the ball, I was like, oh, hopefully he doesn't manage to spray a nice pass. Hopefully he doesn't manage to... Because he is a threat, big time threat. And maybe just stop giving him the job of defending and, and then everyone will just shut up. But uh, we'll see. I'm happy that they kept giving him the job of defending today. And um, yeah, I mean, 57 seconds. We've blown teams away 
at the start of games. They're notoriously slow, but I wasn't expecting that. No, I really wasn't, I wasn't expecting, expecting fifty seconds. I was on my feet um, immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. From the, I mean, I was up from the kickoff. I was giving them a clap, sing North London forever uh, when you're hearing it, like you know. And um, oh, mate, just just sublime, and all of it was just. Oh, so the lightning fast start, like you say, we're catching them cold. They're not starting well at the moment. Um, and it's just a really nice break from from our, the middle of our half. Saka, who goes on to have a fantastic game, breaks up the, uh, the touchline and starts to drift inside. He doesn't make a, like a really substantial darting run from the touchline. He just yeah. slowly drifted inside um, and kept Simicast kind of there on his on his side and Simicast just didn't make a challenge. And I thought that was weird in a way, like he obviously was res- respecting the threat there, um, but he just couldn't touch Saka. And uh, he manages to get the ball off to Erdegaard, who has the patience to wait that split second longer for Gabby to continue his run. And what a ball to lay it into that tight space Far enough away from Allison, but far enough in front of Martinelli to give him the opportunity to just dink it over Allison. Very similar to the finish that he did uh, over De Gea in the United game. Um, and yeah, Banff got to uh, got to hear me roar. So. <laughs> it's it's perfectly weighted from Odegaard. Um, it, it's incredible, and like you say, he waits. Just for that run, it's it's great timing. Everything comes together in that. It really does, and there's that little bit of space. I I don't. I'm not gonna use this as an opportunity to beat Trent every time, because it's it's, it's a Liverpool it's a Liverpool um, issue to deal with. But his positioning is is not great, and there's a little bit of space to put it through. Not a huge amount, but that's what you get with Odegaard, right? You get a player who's able to make those. I have a needle passes. And when you've got people like Martinelli and Saka and Jesus as well, who are willing to make those runs in behind and believe that he's going to find you, it's just such a good like connection. It's such a good combination. You used a couple of good words there, believe and connection. And you could apply that to so much of what is happening at Arsenal at the moment. The belief in the team the belief from us as fans, that connection, like you say, between the team, being on the same wavelength, knowing to make a run here, making a pass there, being in the right place at the right time in the defensive actions, as well as the connection with the fans. Yet again, the fans were fantastic throughout the game. The The Emirates now is finally, after years of people complaining about how quiet it is, you know, Ticket prices, meaning that it's other people in London who would go to the theatre who are coming to the Arsenal instead. And, you know, I, I was guilty of that, of being frustrated at it not being a raucous atmosphere. Uh, so I'm very sad that I, uh, you know, am not there for it anymore, you know, emigrating and starting a new life in another country. And, uh, and the Arsenal are now kicking on so that's a bit of a disappointment for me personally but for the supporting of us and everything like you say that connection the belief I've mentioned before that sometimes in the past you've got these niggling thoughts like 
and they could have come out today because obviously Liverpool, and we'll come on to it in a minute, got back at us. And then it happened again later in the game. And you're thinking, oh, you know, are we going to, are we going to succumb here? But I didn't let those thoughts enter my mind. This It was very uh, positive, even though Liverpool handled themselves okay. They weren't great by any means. What I mean by that is that they certainly gave us a game. It it wasn't like we dominated. It wasn't like we played when we played Bournemouth or something and we just dominated for the whole game. Um, and we're not going to do that against teams of that calibre. Again, the caveat, they're not playing well right now, but they're still their calibre and what they can do is still very high. Um, it's such fine it's such fine margins in these games to get to get the result. Arteta said before about being the best team in the two boxes and stuff like that. It's such it's such fine margins and if you can have a, a crowd and an atmosphere that's on your side as a player, it must mean you get that one percent more. And if you're confident as a team going into a game, it must give you a couple of percent here and there. If you're confident as an individual, on top of that, there's another little percent. And I think going into these games on good runs massively helps you. And that, they're the little things that get you across the line. And they're the little things when an, a team gets back on you, and we've seen it happen before, a team gets a goal back or you, you've let something slip, uh, but there's still time in the game. You've got to really have the confidence and belief in yourself as a team. And as a club, because you've got the manager who believes it and he's on the side and is going to give everything he can. You've got the crowd who, the moment this uh, Liverpool go, goal goes, goes in, you hear for a split spe- second all the Liverpool fans celebrating. And then you hear all the Arsenal fans cheering and clapping because it's like, we're with you. Yeah, you know, Mistakes will happen, goals happen, but we're with you and we're going to go back into this game. And we believe that you on the pitch can do the job. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're bang on because you and I have been there and we've watched goals go in and, you know, maybe teams getting back into games and we're like, oh, fuck's sake. And that is the reaction for the five minutes after the goal, not you the immediate. That, right? Yeah, exactly. Not the immediate, you know, Arsenal, Arsenal that is one of our best rallying cries. Obviously, we do it as soon as we get pressure, as soon as we get a corner. Um, and we're doing it now as well. If we do concede, you know, we're doing it as that initial bump to tell the tell the team, like, come on, we can do this. We believe. We know you believe. Let's match the two up and let's carry on. And um, yeah, it's I'm just over the moon that that's where we are right now. And how shrewd of Arteta. Uh, and I, I was thinking this week actually, I'd really like when we're on the World Cup break to do a podcast and talk about Arteta and his impact um, and the things that he's done. But just this one for now, how shrewd of him that he has championed building that connection and all of the little things that play into that, the stuff that they've done around the Emirates, the stuff that they're doing in pregame with the anthem now. Um, You know, so many little things that are building that and have built that and yeah, very shrewd that he realised, you know, we can't just spend money, build a team of superstars or, or or whatever. Not that we've ever really been a team that does that, but he's realised we need to do it together. Victory through harmony. And uh, he has played a big part in creating 
and bringing about that harmony. So uh, maybe that's something for the uh, World Cup break to do- dive well into a bit more. Almost brings a tear to my eye, that. <laughs> well, if we'd have had a few Jaeger bombs in the Tollington by now, we probably would be crying and laughing and jumping around. And and then they'd politely, as always, most weeks be asking me, right, you've probably had enough now, Chris. <laughs> we appreciate your patronage. See you next week. Um, <laughs> shout out to the Tolly. Always love the polite. See you later. Um, I did feel uh, kind of I mentioned there that we we're talking about how, or I said anyway that I felt Liverpool were giving us a game. It certainly wasn't all all us, and I felt that they were bypassing our midfield in that first half pretty much. Partey yeah. hadn't really had the opportunity to do a lot of the good work that he does. Get a couple of touches on the ball, turn a player, roll a player, play the ball in to Erdegaard in a dangerous. Um, space kind of in the final 30 yards um, we, we had none of that and Liverpool were trying to beat what wasn't an exceptionally high line it wasn't as maybe as adventurous of a high line as again against teams we feel more confident that, to make sure we would win against but they were certainly trying to drop balls over and looking to catch us out in that way and ultimately they did Ultimately, they did. I, th- I I forget who it was who who played the ball through. I think um, it was Trent. Was it Trent? It, it, I think it, yeah. Thiago th- knocks it back to him, and he he sort of he, he flicks that ball over the top. Yeah. Yeah, and Gabriel, you brought it up last week. Um, you know, does a conversation need to happen about he's maybe the not as good of performing centre back out of the lot at the moment. And when I when we talk about this, I just want to kind of put a, a level and a scale on this. You've got that Mustafi, Stepanovs, uh Juru, Senderos, Squilacci, even um Socrates. You've got that level right down at the bottom there. Um and then, a couple of them there. I think I think there's a couple of, there's a couple there that have been harshly judged by you there, but that's for another okay. time. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, let's just put Mustafi there then. Um, Scalacci, Scalacci, and Mustafi. I think we can put together. Yeah. Okay. Mikhail so they're maybe they're at the bottom of yeah, they're at the bottom of that pile, and then middling defenders like didn't set the world on fire, but did a good job for us. Um. I'd have like Vermaelen and even Koscielny maybe in there. And I'd hey, say Gabriel. List, yeah. Go on, go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My list to live and die by. Um, and I would say that Gabriel is operating better than those players. Just, uh, he, he, I think he's, and Saliba is up there. You know, Saliba's up there with the best defenders in the world ever. You know, Maldini and Cafu and all those lot. Um, so I, I saw a mistake from Gabriel on this, that he got caught out. He was trying to step up last minute. He was already too late with the try and step up, which then leaves him a half step behind, um, to chase back. And for me, it was his mistake that led to a goal again. Would you agree with any of that? Or do you think something else kind of went on there? Um, I don't necessarily agree with your list. 
But we can maybe <laughs> maybe we can do that during the World Cup. We can do our defending right. lists. But while we, yeah, you're you're hundred percent right with the defensive mistake, and it's a really simple one. He just needs to shuffle himself backwards a few steps, a few yards, and head it away. Um, I don't know why he lets. He doesn't react quickly. You know that Trent is going to knock that ball over because that's the only option he's got. So he should just drop back a few yards and, and head it away. I think it's a simple one to deal with and I don't know why he's trying to dangle a leg at it. Um, it's a mistake there. Uh, and then from that, he there's a split second where he is frustrated in himself. He sort of throws his hands up or lets his, lets his head go down. Just a split second and Darwin gets a yard ahead of him. And then he chases back as fast as he can, and he's probably a yard away. So it's just two things there where, you know, same same with you. I'm not going to go in on him because I think he's been playing at a really high level, and to to keep up with the level that Saliba's playing at the moment would be almost impossible because I think he's sort of out there as a unicorn on his own. But there's just a couple of mistakes at the moment from Gabriel that are slightly worrying, and he needs to get out of this quickly because yeah otherwise there's people going to be ready to take that position off of him which is which is good for us it's, it's not like we haven't got options there yeah it is and, and like you say you don't want this to build up week after week that you can point to a Gabriel mistake um, because right now it is two and two you don't want to get to that third game as it leads next we don't want that to happen again so the, the great thing is it's not costing us at the moment great thing is yeah. we're winning games and we're looking at certain players and saying they're not great or they're not, they're not on great form or they've made a mistake but it's not they've made a mistake and we've lost the game because of it yeah so we're, we're getting away with it a little bit which is which is a good thing yeah and same as last week when he made the mistake against Tottenham with the with the tackle which by the way small side note he made exactly the same tackle in the Europa League game in the middle of the park and won the ball exactly how he was trying to against Richarlison so he did in some ways, redeem yeah. himself to his, uh, the, on that one. Um, what was I going to say there? Yeah, I thought he was then, okay, well, it's Gabriel, so he's going to get on the end of a header or he's, he's, he's going to do something again because he has that threat about him, which is really, really good. So my head didn't particularly drop. Disappointment, obviously, to concede because uh, Liverpool are dangerous. Nunes gets what is, you know, pretty simple... Uh, tap in pretty much but at that point the keeper's got to commit he has to go one way or the other and hope that that's where the ball goes and it, it do- doesn't work out that way um, and Nunes gives us the old uh, crying crying your eyes out celebration and I was like alright mate get ready for a massive fuck you um, so that got me angry that, that where's, was, where did that, that, where's that come from? I what, don't know he went to kind of do the yeah. he went to do the heart thing and then I think he realized oh wait hold on I'm not uh, I'm not in front of my own fans here so then he went to the boohoo kind of thing and uh it was at that point the dog was like I can't take any more of this uh, <laughs> and, and went outside and I think Frankie's family probably felt the same uh and the game kind of continued in that uh fashion that we were not overly we weren't on the rack or anything. We weren't being peppered by Liverpool. We weren't being dominated. But there were certainly players who were getting all of the ball and there were some that weren't getting much of the ball. I felt Jesus didn't really get too much of the ball in that first half. Partey, I mentioned, didn't. Xhaka 
not as much as we've seen of him of late getting in that area. Um, it, it did feel that a lot of the ball was coming through our defenders and from Saka and Marta Anelli. Um, and that middle was being bypassed a little bit. Um, but we... I, I, th- I thought that... So the, the Xhaka one you mentioned there is interesting because I thought Xhaka's positioning in that first half, certainly, was a lot deeper when we didn't have the ball than he's been. And he was almost... It was almost like he was man-marking Jota because Liverpool had those sort of front four who were really high. It was almost at times like he dropped back into the back line and he was just making sure that he was there covering that space. And it sort of meant that Partey was on his own a bit in the midfield and it made it quite easy for... I can't remember if it was Van Dijk most of the time or if it was Henderson, but it made it easy for Liverpool to play straight through the midfield because there was a big gap. And then they were picking it up in, I guess, semi-dangerous areas, but sort of back to goal. And we would sort of win the ball back and then, you know, turn it over again. And then again, Xhaka was really deep. So it it felt like a little bit like we ceded control of the game to them. And I don't know whether that was on purpose and whether we were being a little bit cautious and whether Arteta had said to Xhaka that he needed to be that far back or whether it was just within the state of the game that Liverpool took control of it. But... I'm not sure where I stand. I probably need to watch it again to to have a real strong opinion on either way. But it felt like that first half, we were certainly deeper and we made it possible for them to play and have a little bit more control. Yeah, I, I agree. The other part I was going to mention, um, what I was saying about 70% of the team saw the ball a fair bit and then there was a 30% that kind of didn't. I did feel the same for Liverpool. I felt that they had players that weren't really getting on the ball. Like Jota was very quiet all game. Another one who has a good record against us. Um, Salah was very quiet. Um, I mean, yeah, he must have been scratching around inside Tommy Asu's pocket all afternoon. The main threat for them was Nunes um, getting forward. I, I didn't feel... And Diaz was nipping around a bit but yeah I, f- I felt that Thiago was very busy and Henderson were very busy um, and that that was where they were working to either like you say Van Dyke maybe going over the top or Trent Alexander-Arnold going over the top or if the times where Liverpool were playing it through the mid which wasn't often because um, they were going for those balls over that they got through us quite easily but like you say, I think a second watch would help us to crack into that one a bit a bit better. Um, I felt at 1-1 it was really unfair that we weren't still ahead because of the game. Even though Liverpool had posed some questions, I still felt it was unjust that we hadn't scored more. Or, or the fact that we'd even conceded. Um, I feel that uh, we just deserved to not have conceded in that first half. And maybe that's misplaced. I don't know. Maybe I'm too, too rose-tinted glasses on that. Um, but I felt that if we can get at them, 
with uh, before half time. Like you, I mean, you'd think this about in any game. If you're one one, of course, if you score before half time, it can really be a benefit to you. Or if you concede, then it can obviously be very bad. But um, was it a corner or a free kick? And um, I think Partey nods it down, and uh, Jesus picks it up and sets us in motion. Um, I think he sets Martinelli off, doesn't he? And with 3v3, and Liverpool's midfield do not have the speed to catch up with uh, with our attackers. Liverpool defenders are probably faster than their midfielders. Um, they were keeping pace, backtracking with us. Um, but that 3v3, I was like, just, oh, come on, come on, we can do it, we can do it. Um, great ball by Martinelli this time, the provider, who again threads that needle that we don't necessarily see as Arsenal fans. It's not always how we score goals because our crossing isn't always very accurate where you've got to bend the ball around the arc of the defenders who are all retreating, but in front of the outcoming goalkeeper if he chooses to try and cut the ball off. And then Saka's there for the tap-in um, at the back post. You know, it wasn't a, a super clean one, but he, he gets it in and... I think that those two players deserve so much of the credit for this result. Martinelli and Saka were obviously the two goal scorers, but they were our engine today. They were our threat. They were everything. And I'm so, so pleased to see Saka get on the score sheet because he'd been playing well from the from the first minute. And we talked earlier in the season that he was a bit of a slow starter this year. Not that he was playing badly, but he just wasn't maybe getting all the goals like he was last year. And that yeah. this year we had more players to step up and score them instead. Um, so we weren't overly reliant on on him. But if, if he's now hitting just as we get into this busy period, uh, if he can start replicating performances like today, alongside what Martinelli's been doing all season, where Erdegaard's now at, what Jesus is up to. Oh, good things are, <laughs> good things are happening, my friend. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, we, we deservedly are going in at the break 2-1. Um, and I'm just so thrilled. So thrilled. The just on is... that goal, a couple of things to, to add, because I think you've, you've covered it really well, so I won't go on, on about the stuff that you've said already, but... Big Gabby is the one who's bursting forward um, in the centre. And he's the one who, when, when Martinelli sort of cuts back and plays the ball across, he sort of dummies it and leaves it for Saka back post. Um, was that who it was? I, I must admit, I feel terrible that I didn't notice that. Yeah, because when when, it's, it's a counter-attack, right? But I guess he, I don't know whether he maybe was the one who, who was involved in the header. But for some reason, anyway... He breaks out. He flies past everybody. Um, and maybe that's why Trent, and, you know, let's not make it a, a Trent defending podcast, as I've said yeah. maybe three times already, but that's <laughs> maybe why Trent decides not to bother at all going anywhere near him and, and runs over to try and help Henderson, but um, just makes it really easy for Martinelli. But yeah, I think, I think at 2-1, if I was being really fair... And unbiased, and taking the the Arsenal glasses off, I would say if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd feel a little bit hard done by, because it was probably an even first half. 
Um, but you've got to take your chances inside mm-hmm. the boxes. That's what matters. One thing that we we didn't mention there was there was a yeah. VAR call for a possible penalty yeah. um, when Big Gabby had his hands raised slightly higher than maybe he should have done. What what was your reading of it? Because I know in the like after the the game there'll be discussions about a couple of penalty decisions. Um, but that will certainly be one. Yeah. I, more importantly, before I maybe talk about that, can I just establish, have we now got a scale for Gabby, Gabby, Gabby? Is it big Gabby, medium Gabby, little Gabby? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. the... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, big Gabby with his hands in the air like he just don't care. And I'm... Was it last year that... United got a penalty off of what was seemed like a ludicrous handball decision. It was early in the season. I can't remember who it was against, but their hand was like across their chest and they got given a penalty. And I think that exact same weekend we had, and it was before the United game, we had a a penalty shout like this one where arms were out and in the air and it wasn't given. And I remember my incredulity at that at the time. With the change, I think, even after that weekend, because I think there was a big fuss at all, like we can't not have given that penalty uh, and have given the one that we did to United. Um, They've been less inclined to give pens for the hands being outside of the general couple of inches away from your torso kind of area and with this one you could you could toss a coin and say whether that's going to be given as a penalty or not you really could we will see them given late throughout this season that there will be penalties given for that and there will be ones that aren't and when it comes to us and like you mentioned there's another one to talk about and we'll we'll talk about that when we get there and I'll probably say this same thing again. But when it comes to a referee's decision or a VAR check, how fucking nice is it to not be on the shit end of the stick? <laughs> so yeah. fuck you, Liverpool. Like I know Jurgen Klopp has said after the game, he's talked about it. Um, and he's upset. He's not gone down the route of, I'm not going to talk about it, blah, blah, blah. He said like he didn't, didn't think that R1 later on in the game was and that they should have had one for that. How many times have we been in that position over the last however many years? So we deserve it. And just a a tidbit on there, I think I've said in other shows as well, obviously with getting the Premier League coverage, I get uh, a lot of the same commentators. Um, I had Jim Beglin as the co-commentator today, who over the last couple of years of being in Canada and me watching through this, and he gets a lot of our games along with Andy Townsend. I can't think of two worse people to have to listen to. They are so anti-Arsenal, it's incredible when it comes to talking about us or mentioning and commenting on what has happened exactly in front of you. So like if there was an innocuous foul that an Arsenal player has gone, he'd be like, oh, that's late, that's a bad challenge, and you could have it 
happen the same, you know, five minutes later from the opposition team and he won't comment on it. Their commentary is changing because Arsenal were being played as the the nice team that we need to talk nicely about. And is that because of where we are in the league right now and what we're doing? It could be. It's easy to back the the winner, isn't it? It's easy to back the team who are doing well and it's it's um it's also easy to put a few a few feet into the teams that are struggling a little bit and I wonder whether because Liverpool have been that team, right? Liverpool have been the team that has been everybody's every pundit's second team mm-hmm. plus Liverpool who haven't got any money, haven't got any petrol money. Um, and look how well they're doing with such a small little budget after spending seventy million on different players. Yeah. Um, they've been the media darlings, so maybe it'll change, maybe it'll be us, maybe our our young team will will set a new sort of trend and there'll be a pass on the torch on that one. But you're you're definitely it, right. There's it's just a side note and it may be different for I think Sky were covering the game in the UK, right? Yeah. Um, so, so it may have been different if Gary Neville was commentating on it because he's not going to say anything um, nice about us. So, uh, just a side note. And but, but for to punctuate the point, Frankie, who is obviously being drawn in more and more by me and the fact that we're doing well this year, she notices it, and you know she's not taking absolutely every detail in like I am. But even she can hear. She is noticing that that has in the last week or two is starting to change that we're not the ones oh that was a nasty oh Arsenal bad Arsenal bad anyway um so back to the penalty decision yeah it's a toss of a coin and like I say we will see them given in other games and we'll see them not given in other games I it's hard to know if my feeling of it wasn't a penalty that is how I genuinely feel about it it's hard to tell or distinguish if that's with my Arsenal hat on or not, because I'm trying to be objective. And I'm like, I personally, I would be happy if instances like that, we said were not penalties at all, just flat out. That's not a penalty because he is kind of anyone who plays football knows that you do put in that kind of action that he's making, that your arms do go up in the air. You're kind of, it's like a arms up leg out thing. It's hard to describe and listening to it, people are going to be like, what? But if you play football, you know that that happens. It's how we get so many kind of like hands in the face and stuff because arms do, you know, they're not connected to the legs, but they do balance you and and, and work to provide counterbalance because of what your feet are doing. So, uh, yeah, sod Liverpool. It wasn't a penalty. Yeah, well, nicely done. Um, <laughs> put an end on that point. Yeah, just just second half. Off. Yeah, I was thinking half time. I was like, right, obviously the goal changes things for us going in there now two one up. But I was still like, we need to come out and we need to get hold of that midfield. I also felt our passing could be a little bit better. It wasn't quite as crisp as it has been in in other games. Um, one thing that has occurred to me watching us is how the team have been coached and how I'm seeing the team get better, especially in an, in an, uh, in an attacking sense. We play with our backs to goal often enough 
as an attacker. But as the pass is made, we roll our body to, you know, collect the ball at the same time as turn and then run at goal. Again, just a small thing I'm noticing in in how we play, but a lot of our players are, are doing it. And it's something that we've not done in the last few years. So certainly something that seems to me that we've worked on. Um, and I felt that we needed to do that a bit more in this game. We hadn't seen it that much so far to this point. So half time's over. Um, Liverpool make the change because obviously Trent did get that uh, unlucky kind of follow through. No malicious like that. It's purely accidental, but he does land on his ankle and, and roll it. So I'm not surprised that he went off at half time. That will be sore. Um, and uh, it's Gomez, isn't it, who came on? Yeah. Who who was very happy to play rough and tumble. Um, bright start that we get a really good chance with Erdegaard uh, just inside the area, just on the edge of the area. And hits it straight down the throat of Allison. Um, what were you? Wh- where were you with that, mate? It's funny because often he'll he'll make another pass in those situations, and it needed another pass. I thought Saka mm. was open, and Odegaard is the one you want in that position to make that decision to make that little extra pass. I'm sure he would have seen or was aware where Saka was. And I think that's probably the the movement to make. But, I mean, I also don't mind him taking shots. It's yeah. not, you know, you, you don't want to say every time you get there, you've got to find somebody else. It's a split-second decision. The Watching it on TV, you can see where Saka is and he's running, you know, and he's completely out of Odegaard's eye line. And you can see that there's another pass to be made, but if he didn't see it or he thought it was a better opportunity to shoot, I'm also happy with that because, yeah, you know, we've, we've been asking for, we've been asking for that sort of stuff. So it's, um, a little bit unlucky, I guess. I was I happy he shot. Yeah. I was, I was happy he took it on, but I was just thinking, come on, don't just try and blast that one down the middle, be a bit more, place it, um, and, and, and create something, use a bit of guile. And uh, and do something more with it. I wasn't I wasn't completely sold on the. There's another pass to be made, um, but it certainly felt like what you were saying and how Arteta's put it that we've got to capitalise on these instances in the penalty box. And I'm thinking we need to do that. Two one still did to me didn't feel like enough, um, and it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't too long after. Um, that Liverpool get back into it again. Um, Firmino had also come on at this point. Um, I can't remember who he came on for now. That's Oh, Diaz, because Diaz went off with a knee issue. Um, yep. Side note, how come Liverpool are allowed four different opportunities to bring on subs? I thought it was you get five subs, but only three opportunities to make them. Because they brought Firmino on during the first half. Gomez on at half time. Half time doesn't, doesn't count. Right, okay. Has to be during right. play. Yeah. Sorted. Okay. Um I wondered if that would be the caveat. Uh so yeah, sorry, back to it that um Liverpool get back into the game uh, and draw level. And there he is, Bobby Firmino, the guy that I was glad to see on the bench who was upset to see him come on. Uh scores a nice goal. 
like that's a really well placed finish. And I do you know what? I want you to go first on what your thoughts were as to how that goal came about. Because I possibly maybe this week have the controversial take. To to explain that goal. Um, mm. I mean, it's a great run from in to out to, from Firmino to get onto it. But Saliba's um, not in a great position. He, no, he gets dummied. He, he, he gets... He, it's funny because he's he's in a slightly bad body position to start with. Then he realises where Firmino is. And as he's turning to, to try and get into a better position, that's when the pass is made. And he ends up being flat-footed. He's um, straight on to where the pass is coming from. And he's not able to track the run. Everybody else, I think it's Ben White, Tommy Asu and Gabriel, are a yard or two further back. Um, and that's where he should be. He should have just dropped a little bit. And by moving out of that space, maybe anticipating a pass going a different direction, he leaves a big gap. And then it's, a, I mean, it's an incredible finish. It's, it's impossible for Ramsdale to save. Um, fine margins, little, little mistakes like that will happen. I don't think that's a... That's a that's a different sort of mistake to the Gabriel one, for me. Yeah. Um, although it's still a body position error, and although it's still, it's still an error, that's not something that worries me too much because it's probably the first time I've seen it with Saliba, and because I can see his thought process. Whereas with the Gabriel I one, was... I think it's just the wrong decision from start to finish how he, yeah, deals, how he I... deals with it. My hot take maybe then isn't that hot because yeah, I just thought he was dummied. Whether he got given the eyes. By was it Jotu who played the ball through? I think um, so. Yeah. Uh, whether he was given the eyes or whatever, he goes to go one way, and like you say, because his body is he's in a bad position already to start off. It's taking him too long to turn sideways where he needs to be to be able to then make a direct run to get back. So I think he just gets dummied, uh, and that space that then create gets created because he takes a step one side. Uh, and then Firmino's through, and and like we say, he's he's very good um, with the ball at his feet in that kind of position. He's he can hit you know the eye of a needle there and and punish us, and he did. So, like you say, that is more because Liverpool did something, whereas the Gabriel one was just a a ball over the top that bounces and isn't dealt with. That that is a different type of mistake. So, um, fully agree with you there. So two two. And, you know, it's not even an hour gone, I think, at that point. And this game never really fails to produce goals. It's, it is the most scored in game in Premier League uh, history, Arsenal-Liverpool. We do like to uh, attack, attack, attack. Did you feel that there was more in it at that point? And who did you think was in the ascendancy? Second half for me was so much better from us. I think our passing was better. Our, our movements were better. We had more intensity. I thought the second half, we dominated it. And we were, if the first half, half was balanced slightly, maybe Liverpool had a little bit of an edge on the ball in that first half. I thought we blew them away in the second half because I thought our passing was better. We had more control of the ball and our, our movement was better. Xhaka was higher up the pitch for a start which is half the battle because then you're really putting pressure on Liverpool defenders to make um, really good passes. 
so my notes on the game as we're going through, I was making the odd note here and there shorthand. So after where I put about Saliba out of position, uh, created the opening for their through ball, dot, 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 Firmino, dot, 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 fuck. My next note was pressure, pressure, pressure. Partey is stepping up, winning way more duels. Um, and we're still lively up top. And that includes kind of Xhaka, like you're saying, getting forward. So I'm right on that same wavelength with you there. I think the second half we had gone up a gear or two and we were starting to assert ourselves in that midfield area. We know that Arteta focuses and he doesn't like to lose a duel. Um, so seeing Partey step up to that, and like you say, I think that that gives Xhaka a bit more, maybe it's a decision he makes on the pitch at the time, more than something he's told to do at half time, Or maybe it's because they're telling Partey, you need to do more so we can release Granite. Um, that that then comes about and we're able to, like I said in my note, like it was pressure, pressure, pressure from us at this point. We were wave after wave and I was just like, we just need, like what you've already mentioned there, that small moment, that small action of preciseness and to, to get that goal. They were, at that point, we were banging on the door for them. And uh, we then get to the part where there's sustained pressure in the Liverpool box, ball after ball's coming in, opportunity to take a shot here, running around the defender there for about 10, 15 seconds there. And then the penalty is given for the challenge on on Jesus. I jumped up in real time and was like, penalty, penalty, and it's given. And, you know, I'm dancing around the living room again. Um, Let's kind of go through it step by step, how... How did you feel about the penalty? I think it's soft. Mm -hmm. But so the moment he gives the penalty, my thinking was if I see a replay and Tiago's, I think it was Tiago, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. If Tiago makes contact with Jesus before the ball, they can't overturn it yeah but I was thinking I don't know if this is really a penalty I think they probably made contact with the ball at the same time and it's just some smart play I don't know it's it's a difficult one it's there's not enough contact to go down but it's not a dive so it's in that sort of grey area where there's contact so you've gone down and the referee has made a decision it's clever from Gabriel Jesus and it feels like the sort of penalty that we give away or we have given away a million times in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's, sort of, it's the sort of thing we would do to Harry Kane. Yep. And then we'd be fr- so frustrated at the fact that he's gone down so easily. So as a, an unbiased football fan, I would say possibly soft. Yes, I would too. But as an Arsenal fan, I want that given for us, 100%. And that's intelligent forward play to get in ahead of him. And this is what I was talking about earlier, right? How many times, even this season already, have we bemoaned referees? And genuinely, I have felt, if not an agenda, 
then certainly that their skill level to do that job is so flipping poor that they shouldn't be doing it. So for us to be finally the team that has benefited in this way, fuck Liverpool, because they have been getting that for years. So I'm so happy that it's us, but it is absolutely soft. On the replay, I was just like, "Oh, if that goes, you know, when you know when they're going to look at that, are they going to overturn it?" And then in my mind, I'm like, "If he does send him to the monitor, well, Michael Oliver stuck with his decision the other week. Maybe he would stick with it again." Um, so I was very like, but so thrilled that we have got it because, like I say, we have. It's a penalty that we have had given against us a lot. Um, for the tiniest, tiniest of things. The penalty that Tottenham got last year at, at YR Lane was nothing. It was yeah. a nothing push um, and got given. So I feel like this is some sort of karma coming back to us, finally. We have got a lot of it yet to come because we have had a lot of crap thrown in our direction, things that have been missed. I think on the whole for the game... And it is encapsulated by then what happened after the penalty before it was taken. I thought Michael Oliver handled the game pretty well. There weren't many yellow cards for just standalone fouls. Like even Granite Xhaka gets away with a late one after the penalty that he doesn't get booked for that often referees would have pulled players up for. Um, I think it's Thiago who uh, whacks Gabriel. Um, and Xhaka then does his bit to stand up for the team, gets in Jordan Henderson's face, grabs him by the scruff of the neck, um, and and quite nicely offers to lay him out um, any time he would like. And there's a bit of a melee going on. This was my favourite part of all of it. Once that kind of settled down, did you notice that Erdegaard had the ball and was standing by the penalty spot? No. So he has the ball under his arm, like most players do when they're going to take a penalty. And although the camera angle was uh, above waist height, you can see from how Thiago, who's there, the referee's there, Erdegaard's there, a couple other players and Thiago's there. You can see that Thiago's trying to kick up the spot and scuff it up because right. he's looking down and kind of the, the shuffle that's happening. You can tell that's happening. And they're in Erdegaard's face. And Erdegaard's just kind of focusing and just looking at the goal and so on. And then as the ref finally clears everyone away, Erdegaard turns around, hands the ball off to Saka, who walks up to uh, to place it. And that, for me, is another demonstration of our learning how not to be mugged off in a game. A uh, few teams have now started to do this, that you the actual person who's going to take the penalty will maybe disappear out the way, have a moment to themselves, and someone else will take all the crap and we'll be there around the penalty spot making sure that that isn't getting abused and whatnot. And then the penalty taker can come in calm without having to have had the chat from other players beforehand and take their penalty. So that for me was, again, small things to notice that this team is learning how to cope with 
the darker arts of the game because Liverpool were very good at that throughout the game. Simicast did well not to get booked throughout the game. Gomez did well not to get booked for the off the field challenge on Martinelli where he pushes him down. They're standing in front of the ball every time we had a free kick in those kind of midfield areas and uh, the ref not blowing up or giving a yellow card for that. You know, we are matching that now. And that for me is a huge barometer of our progression. Um, just as a kind of side note there to what was going on during the penalty. Um, Saka steps up. Alisson's there. What are you thinking? Goal? Goal, because, I mean, similar to the Harry Kane feeling, I was very confident that he's going to score. I don't, I don't feel like he's nervous anymore. I think that... Was it, was it Chelsea who scored the penalty? Chelsea, yeah. I think he put that to bed at Chelsea. The commentators are going to bring it up for years. And they did yeah. on my coverage. I'm sure they probably did on Sky. Um, they will bring that up every time he steps up. But I feel like he already put that to bed last year because Chelsea was the first penalty I think he took. And that meant something that was to go back ahead at that time to go 3-2 up in that game um, and was a lot of pressure. So I think for me, I think he's through that. It's just because the media will make a, a, a mountain out of a molehill on it. Yeah, he's moved on. Similar to the the Xhaka thing, where they keep bringing up Xhaka three years ago, had a problem with the Arsenal fans. It, you know, we've moved on. He's moved on. You can keep mentioning it, but I don't think it's in his head, and I don't think it's in Saka's head when he steps up and takes a penalty. I don't think there's nerves. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't be asking to take it. He's supremely confident, and he's taking responsibility and ownership and being accountable in huge moments for the club that he loves um, and putting us ahead and, and winning us the game through that action. that That's just supreme confidence in, in the player. So long may it continue, I don't, I don't think he's going to back away from that challenge. And if he eventually misses one, I think he'll want to take the next one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he's a player who's going to be phased by that. I think he's been through a lot more than than taking a penalty against um, a mid-table team. Yep. <laughs> yep, definitely. Still mid-table. I mean, 14. They are. Bang in the middle of their 10th. You can't get it's any like more mid-table than that. They might stay up. Uh, they, they might stay up. I mean, we're not sure yet. I mean, Fulham and Bournemouth are ahead of them. That's where Liverpool are right now. And who would... and. Since Bournemouth got battered nine nil, by the way, like they have done all right, and they've kept you particularly because you were on their case early on for them being the whipping boys. They've uh, they've kind of shed that <laughs> uh, shed that moniker already. Um, the next, I'm going to use it again. The barometer to judge us by at three two up. We know there's going to be some time added because of uh, the stoppage to Jesus and a couple of other bits. We don't bring Rob Holding on. And that, for me, is another barometer of where this team is. Now, that's not to say that we bring Rob Holding on as a desperation tactic, and that's all he's good for. I, I like him, um, and I think he has a slightly bigger part to play for us. But the fact that we didn't immediately just, you know, shut down and defend... Uh, KT came on for Erdegaard and I think that possibly was a fitness thing because you don't really take off your captain and he's been playing well with 10 minutes to go unless it's like maybe he's creeping towards the red zone and we need to 
we need to focus on that because tactically I thought, okay, but does that mean that KT plays left wing and Martinelli goes into the 10? Or I wasn't really sure what kind of positioning happened there, but it looked like KT drifted towards the back once he was on. Um, but we managed the game well. We were knocking the ball about, and I think even at that point with five minutes before the 90, it wasn't quite Ole time, but Liverpool weren't snapping into the challenges as much as they had been throughout the game before that. I think at that, that point, their fragility and their own confidence, we had the game won. Um, they do still have dangerous players, though, so I wasn't quite, oh, they've given in. Like Not like Tottenham last week who made wholesale changes and said, yeah, we, we've let you have this. Um, but there were things that made me think they don't quite have the belief that they've got this. But at any moment, one player could run up the pitch and, and do something, an individual bit of brilliance. Um, and we see it out. That's yeah. the main thing. We see, we see yeah. it out. Yeah, and we, we see it out in in good fashion because we like you say we kept the ball really well we kept moving it it wasn't just I think although we brought Tierney on there was a change of shape and it ended up sort of being like a back five I guess and you've already got four centre-backs in that five so you don't need Rob Holden as well but yeah it was it was a case of keeping the ball and I thought we were intelligent we wasted time when we needed to um, we made those couple of changes right right at the end and you know brought uh, Fabio Vieira on, bought Eddie and Ketcher on, wasted a bit more time. And yeah, a, a job well done. And just echo what I said at the start, like just a, a really exciting performance and one that's going to get people talking about us. Yeah. Because a couple of weeks ago, I said after this game or after these two games, we can start discussing whether we're actually contenders for this and that will be the, the judgment on those two games and when I messaged you and I said <laughs> would you rather three points or two points and what did you I could say see there was there was a little bit of what well, is a little bit in me that thought is it better even if we're going to try and you know stay in this title race is it better just not to lose against one of these teams and that's not to say I wasn't confident but there's well, that as confident as me we've been burnt right before yeah, we have and we have, but I said to you six. I flat out said to you before Tottenham. You said four. Six. No, I said no. I said six, but you wouldn't let me have six. Yeah, you can't have six. Yeah, that's only what you only said. Had six. You you only gave me the opportunity, and then I said, "All right, four. And then you said, "No, you can't <laughs> have that either." And I was just like, "Well, it's it's irrelevant then because what I think would happen, you're not letting me stand up for." But I thought I. Th- I think it would be wrong to say I thought we would win both of these games. Even the most confident of us would think that there can be a bump in the road. Um, but I, I, I certainly didn't think we would lose, if that makes sense. So it's weird. There was I was really kind of in the middle there, although I felt, yeah, we can do it. Like you say, there are those um, previous times where we've thought, here we are, we're going to do something, and then we haven't done it. But this time round, we had. And Arteta said it early on, I think it was after the Bournemouth game, I could be wrong, that judge us after 10 games. He's like, that's when the table starts to 
take shape. And looking at the table, uh, obviously Man United Everton is happening while we record this. Um, when we started, I don't know if you knew the score, but it was one one when we started recording. Um, so I'm going to click in and have a look now because I want to look at the table. Um, it's ah, bollocks. It's two one Man United late on. Um, but looking at the table as it stands right now, uh, if United see out that result, it's Arsenal, City, Tottenham, Chelsea, Man United make up that top five. All five of those sides now are teams you would think are likely to be in that area. The one, you know, conspicuous absence is Liverpool because they're mid-table team now and Newcastle have taken their place. That, to me, looks more like a Premier League table now. Uh, we've still got one game to go before we hit Arteta's threshold. Um, but, I mean, even for fifth, we're five, nine points ahead of United if they win this game, if they see it out in the last couple of minutes here. When do we start the conversation of where we finish in this league? now i mean not right now because we've been recording for an hour but <laughs> um, I, I think in general terms it wasn't like the te- 10 10 games is a good good judge quarter of the season is is a good judgment but the teams you play sometimes are more important within those games because if you haven't played many of the top teams in those 10 it's sort of a false position yeah i think the first time you can really say this is where we are, is probably once you've played everybody once. Yeah. Then you can say, okay, we played everybody, here we are, you know, you you sort of see the table balance itself out. But before then, I think now is a a time to say we've played three big sides, two and a half big sides on paper. Man United, Liverpool and Spurs. And six points out of nine is decent form. Yeah. The loss being an away game is decent form, you know. So And we played well to win it. It wasn't like and, we had and a poor yeah, And the, it wasn't like there wasn't a performance there. There was a performance there. Um, I think this performance was better than the Spurs one. Yeah. So even though Liverpool are struggling a bit, I would still say at this moment we're still fighting for that title. Yeah. In the words of Kevin Keegan. Oh, don't say that. That's a hoodoo hoodoo we don't want. Leave that well alone. Don't even dare come back to that. Um, Yeah. 10 games in, you know, let's say that's a quarter of the season gone. Nine games in, a quarter of the season gone. And we've won eight out of the nine, you know. If we only lost four games this year, we're in with a shout. We know that there's a long way to go still, though. We've still got now, we don't have the City game, which come the World Cup break would have been really good to see because we would have then at that point have played Chelsea and City all before the World Cup break. Now that City game will probably be rearranged for the penultimate week of the Premier League as a title decider. Um, 
but we've now got to do the other half of it. We've beaten the tough teams that we've had put in front of us the last couple of weeks. And now we've got to go out and we've got to beat Leeds on the road. Um, what other fixtures do we have coming up? Um, we've got to keep going, obviously, in Europa League. We we got a win there during the week. So it was nice to obviously keep that momentum going as well. That gives us an opportunity with all the games in that group stage that if we're top of the group, we can rest players, which obviously has a knock-on effect to the teams we can put out in the league. Um, so yeah, we've got Leeds away, Southampton, who we owe, but I watched um, Southampton. Yeah, City kind of ran away with it, but Southampton played pretty well for the most part in that game and they'll be at home. So we'll see what happens. We've got Forest. Um, you know, we can't take them lightly, even though they're not having a good time of it. And then we'll have Chelsea. That'll be a big game away. Another real kind of lay down a marker game, see where we are there. Um, so we've got to consolidate the good work that we've just done in these last couple of weeks with these last couple of results with these games that are coming up against teams that are perceived as lesser or teams that we perceive we should go and win against. So that's the key for me. This is a really solid platform. Saka and Martinelli talked about post-game, the confidence that this gives them, the belief that it gives them. Uh, Martinelli used a great phrase, you know, we're a family. And, uh, and when you have that feeling around the club, generally only good things will come of it because of those strong and good feelings. So uh, I'm still going to shelve serious title talk um for now but nine games in to be in october and we are top of the league this is an experience that we've not had for a really long time um and for someone like frankie who been together now for eight years or so she's seen us win a couple of uh fa cups uh, and again she's no fan she cares because i care and she she's intrinsically linked to wanting a positive Arsenal result because it has an effect on her weekend um, and her day. So she'll always want us to win. But she is excited and enthused as a non, you know, full-blooded Arsenal fan right now. So that can only tell you how excited and enthused people like you and I are. The guys and girls who are at the ground week in, week out, at the away games week in, week out, um, how they all are. So... Um, yeah, it's it's exciting time. Speaking of that, did see one of my buds in the ground on one of the um, camera angles for the VAR check for the handball. Um, Rob Larkin of uh, East Sussex Arsenal Supports Club could see him standing there. So uh, yeah, he, he got got in on the uh, VAR action. Um, and I think that's the main thing. Uh, did you want to cover anything else about? the Arsenal and where we are right now. I had one or two other things I just wanted to briefly mention. Um, I, I, no, I think I've said, I think I've said enough for now. I think there'll be things that we come to definitely over the next few weeks um, when the games aren't as big. Maybe we haven't got as much to say on the, on the matches, but yeah, it's just a, it's just a really good place. And I'm just really excited about where we are. And 
those, you know, you listed off the games there who we're playing. I just hear three points. I hear Leeds, I hear three points. I hear Forest, I hear three points. There's nothing there that puts any fear into me. And looking at, look at it from the other side, if you're a Leeds fan, you're thinking, fucking hell, Arsenal are turning up. They've just turned over their biggest rivals and Liverpool and they're blowing teams away. Yeah. We could get, we could get, you know, a bit of a hide in here. And I think that message is going to start to re- reverberate around the rest of the league. And teams and fans are going to be worried about a lot of our players, especially like our attacking, our attacking threat and, and all of the tools in our Swiss army knife. <laughs> That's a reference for long-term listeners. Yeah. Long-term listeners. You'll remember the Swiss army knife episode. Yeah. There's a, there's a mystique that you can create as a team uh, that I think affords you time, space, bad performances. Um, over the years, we had it in our invincible kind of days. Teams were scared to play us. Man United have had it in periods of time where teams were scared to play against and teams knew that with the 28 minutes of added on time at the end of the game, United would probably get a penalty given to them by Howard Webb. Man City have had this mystique now for a number of years that they blow teams away early on. Where are we now seeing that happen? So it's a mystique that I want to see us continue to build because like you say, teams will no longer turn out against us thinking, oh, Arsenal are a bit soft, we can get them. Or Arsenal aren't playing too well, we we can do something here. And uh, that, for me, is one of the biggest things as well as our atmosphere that we're creating around the club that Arteta is doing. If he can build that mystique on the pitch, that is another pillar towards our eventual temple of success. Feeling and what we're talking about for the Liverpool game, 3-2 to the Arsenal. We go back to the top of the Premier League table, where we deserve to be, where we belong right now. Even Pep has mentioned that right now, Arsenal are better than us and have played better than us. So it's a deserved spot that we sit on. Um, We're going to come back shortly. We will look at maybe a couple of the other results from the Premier League this weekend. um, Talk a couple of other small tidbits about Arsenal. And uh, we'll probably look in FPL as well. Won't we, Chris, see see how well you're doing? Why, Why are you shutting your eyes and recoiling like that? We don't need to do that, but not this week. Okay, well, listen in because we are going to. We'll be back shortly. Shall we swing swing down the conversation or swing down the avenue of Fantasy Premier League? We we if we must. <laughs> okay, so. Tapping on to Fantasy League, and we talked about it a bit there. Chelsea, some surprising uh, names on the team sheet, both in starting and who was on the bench, that would have caused some headaches for Premier League managers, fancy Premier League managers. Rhys James being probably the biggest one. Um, For me, talking about fantasy, at what point... So I want to look at your team, because I think you have kept faith with them. and other people have been wedded to Salah. Um, no, you've got rid. 
Good boy. When did you get rid of Salah? Was it recently? I can't remember. Oh no, weeks ago. Okay. No, I lost. I lost faith with him ages ago. Some people are still talking. Oh yeah, I'm captaining Salah over Haaland. The fact that he's even in people's teams still surprises me because we are seeing a real shift in the power players in fantasy and who is doing what. I don't think you can put too much stock in any Liverpool player at the moment going forward. Um, Chelsea now need to be watched carefully because of selection choices, Um, especially as we do hit this run where for the teams that are in European competition, there's going to be so many games coming thick and fast. I guess actually that brings me round to the changes that we made on Thursday in the Europa League. Were you surprised at 2 0 up to see us bringing on Saka, Jesus, Erdegaard, people like that? A little bit, but I'm also, I like the idea of keeping those players feeling like they're part of that group as well and not mm. that it's two separate teams playing. So, you know, to see. I can't remember how many minutes they played, but what was it, like half an hour? To see them play half an hour against um, a pretty weak opponent in a match that's petering out a little bit in intensity, it's not a worry for me. If we're going to get um, an injury to a player, it can happen in a match, it can happen in training, and it's probably a lot more likely to happen there. So all, all I'm concerned about would be the the minutes that certain players are playing and building up and making sure that, especially in these weeks just before the World Cup, the overload of, of minutes in those legs is not is not too big. But, you know, he brought mm-hmm. Martinelli off after an hour um, and gave him a little rest. And, you know, I, I like the idea of keeping everybody part of this group and feeling the good times rather than separating it. Fair enough. I, I was a bit like... Like you, the game had lost its um, zip and go at that point. But I was worried in case one of their players made a frustrated challenge because they were losing and then we lost a player. So I was a bit scared. Um, But that plays a part into what people need to think about where they're building their team and where they're putting their money. So as it stands... The bonus points from the United game will likely... Well, I don't even think the bonus points from our game today will have been confirmed yet. Um, Michael Hinton still tops the league by uh, 50-odd points. Um, I have moved into second right now, so I'm pretty happy with myself. I'm in the top 400,000 in the game this weekend currently. That could change with bonus points to be added and uh, a game still to happen tomorrow. Um, There's a lot of like down arrows for people this week, but um, you're still solid and right in the mix there in eighth. Um, It's a very tight group down there. We had uh, no other real movement from below that. Are you thinking anything bold to try and climb the league with these last few games well I say last few five or six before the World Cup is there anything amazing that you've got cooking um, I'm sticking with 
the fact that I've got three Arsenal players and three City players and even the fact that we're there missing a game because obviously now that that City game and Arsenal game isn't going to happen that's six players yeah you can only make so many substitutes can't you I I would rather make as many as you want these players yeah I'm I'm sticking with with this lot probably I might um, I might end up moving Tony out but I, I, I'm sticking by my boys. I'm sticking by my boys. I brought in Harvey Barnes. That was my change um, this week for a bit of a differential. But and Leicester have got an easy run of games, so he, he might score or get some assists. But um, yeah, there should there should I, I'll, I'll find my way. It's just yeah. Harland, isn't it? It's it Harland is. Situation. I. Did have Son, and you commented on that last week. And last minute, I made the change to ditch him. I had him as the kind of money holder, if you will. I thought I'd rather pick him. And if he does something against us, I've got some sort of small crumb of uh, something to be not too upset about if he had scored a goal and I got fancy points. Um, I felt dirty for doing it, but you got to do what you got to do, right? I switched to Foden last minute. So that was a good choice because Son did nothing and Foden got a goal and assist. Although Pep robbed us of the uh, extra points for the clean sheet by bringing him off in the 58th minute. And you've got to play 60 to get the clean sheet. So cheers, Pep. Um, biggest winner so far this weekend is Cancelo, your mate who mops up the bonus points um, every time he plays. He now has head and shoulders replaced Trent Alexander-Arnold as the premium defender you have to have in your team. If you're spending money in defence, it has to be there. Simple as that. Even with the game that is postponed between us and City, you've just got to have him. And if you still are holding on to players like Trent Alexander-Arnold or even Andrew Robertson, you have got to let them go. That is how I feel about it. Um... Bruno Guimaraes, kind of, it's the first time he's got a couple of goals, really, and some, you know, media is like, oh, you know, you should have picked him. Like, no, not really. Um, Mason Mount is someone who I was toying with, who's in that bracket of the 8 million midfielder, right? The Madison, the Mounts, um, the Sackers, Erdegaard's, Martinelli's, players who are making good contributions to games and getting good points. So he could be one to watch um, because I think Chelsea also have a pretty nice run of fixtures um, coming up other than the game against us. They've got Villa, uh, Brentford, although those are both away. um, And then they've got United um, and Brighton. So not terrible fixtures for them. So Mason Mount could be someone to look at if Graham Potter is putting him in a position to uh, have a real effect on games. Phil Foden, I think after last week's hat-trick and again returns this week, he's someone that you've got to look at having in the side. Saka and Martinelli came good this weekend, both personally for us and um, within fantasy. Um, Bournemouth players are maybe a differential that some managers should be looking at. Would you dare go down that road? Absolutely not. Absolutely what, no chance. What about Brighton players? Because 
you know, last week Trossard scores the most in in the game, and this week they blank. Um, and this is why I've steered clear of them. Although there are some differentials possibly in there, this is going to be one of the harder years for finding a good differential that people aren't picking up on. And I don't know who that person is yet because people are moving in cycles and often kind of coming to the same thing. They'll see something that another manager has done. A lot of people, myself included, brought James Madison in last week. We got the returns for it. More people jumped on that. I think he was second or third um, most brought in this week and um, didn't return. So finding those differentials is a tough one. A lot of people in the game will have captained Haaland this week and there were better options out there, even within the City team. So do you have the bravery to step away from Haaland as captain? I did, yeah. I made Jesus captain and I'm triple captain and look what it did for me. So from from now on, it is Haaland all the way because what happens is if he scores and you haven't got him, you look like an idiot. Yeah. So I'm playing I'm playing the intelligent long game. Okay. I'm not doing too many players who I think they they, they might have a bit of form here and there. I'm going winners. I'm back in winners all the way. Even so if those winners I... are losing. <laughs> well, okay, convenient you said that. Maybe not based on today's result but a player who's only got 6.7% ownership and has scored three goals in three games, Anthony for Man United, seven and a half million. He looks like he can do it in the Premier League. He's, he's got three and three. Um, he is someone that I will consider uh, swapping Foden for come the, the blank game week that we have there. Maybe if Madison goes off the boil in the next couple of games as well, he's another option to fit in there. So I would, uh, my tip would be to look at um, Anthony at Man United at the moment for that middle range uh, midfield player who's getting results, who's getting returns, you know, five to seven points. Um, Everyone else, it's pretty much the usual suspects. So nothing too big to write home about. Um, Going back to our league, and uh, let's just calculate the gap from me to you. I'm on 590 and you're on 535, so still not a huge gap. You confident you can reel me in? Plenty of time. Plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, You know, it, it, it will come good. Maybe not this week. Maybe not next week. Maybe not the week after that. But by the end of the season, I would have caught you. Right. Well, I think we're going to leave it there. We've uh, we've talked for quite a while. Um, and we obviously want to get this podcast out to all of you lovely guys and girls that are listening. Thanks again for being here on the journey with us. In the show notes, if you want to add yourselves to the Fantasy Premier League t- um, table, you can. Just click on the link there. You can also find us on social media in the show notes and follow us on there. Do feel free to chip in with what you thought about the pod, what you think about the Arsenal right now. Maybe you've got uh, a point that we're missing and that you want to hear talked about. Let us know. Uh, get in touch. Reach out to us, DMs, post, whatever it might be. Again, we really appreciate you being here. 
we really appreciate the Arsenal sitting pretty on top of the table, back where we belong. I appreciate you, Chris, for sticking around to do this this evening. I'm going to head off and have some thanks tur- Thanksgiving turkey shortly. So, um, Oh, yeah, it's I'm- Canadian Thanksgiving. Canadian Thanksgiving. So, uh, and my first one as a fully fledged Canadian. So, um, I am going to uh, enjoy that. Chris, take us, take us home. Finish the show for us. Up the Arsenal. We're um, we're back. And we're big, and that was a massive win. And um, I think we're in the title race. <laughs>